Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible contains many stories of heroes of faith, men and women who, by faith and in faith, provided an example, a standard for us to follow. Each of these heroes of faith was flesh and blood, just like us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21 tells us, By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Jacob was a man of great faith. He was one of the few people included in this faith chapter. We can strengthen our faith by studying his life, but even though he was a man of faith, the scriptures also document his limitations, his offenses, his failures. They're documented so that we can learn what consequences result from failure, so that we'll strive to avoid similar mistakes. Today, we're going to look at Jacob's life to understand how failures and shortcomings not only affect ourselves, but our families. Genesis chapter 25 records the story of Isaac's wife, Rebecca, giving birth to twins. Genesis chapter 25, verses 20 through 28 read, And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated Yahweh for his wife because she was barren, and Yahweh was entreated of him, and Rebekah's wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of Yahweh. Yahweh said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. Two manners of people shall be separated from their bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came out his brother, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau, because she did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. The Bible tells us that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob grew up in a divided family, perhaps was divided before the birth of the twins. Perhaps perhaps the birth fueled the division, but there was a troubling disharmony in the family. Jacob's name, Yaakov in Hebrew, Jacob, comes from the same root word as the word for heel, the bottom part of the ankle, a, a cave. Jacob was grasping Esau's heel to seize Esau's portion. Esau and Jacob wrestled before birth, and they were wrestling during their lifetime and the descendants have never stopped wrestling. Immediately after recording the birth of two sons, we read the story of Jacob giving Esau soup in exchange for Esau's birthright. Notice what Esau said in verse 32 about his hunger. Behold, I'm at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? Even though Esau said that he was at the point of death, Jacob did not seem concerned about that fact. He did not show mercy. In Genesis chapter 27, Isaac believed that he himself was on his deathbed. He called his son Esau, the son that he loved, and told him to bring venison before him to receive a blessing. Rebekah heard Isaac's words, and she called Jacob the son that she loved. Rebekah told Jacob these words in Genesis chapter 27, 
verses 8 through 10. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for your father, such as he loves. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. Jacob protested, but Rebekah insisted. Rebekah prepared two goats. She disguised Jacob and convinced Jacob to deceive his blind and aging father, a father who believed that he was near death. Notice that even though Jacob thought his father was dying, he still deceived him, similar to when Esau said he was dying, and Jacob took the birthright. Can such family disharmony bring peace? The parents were divided in their affections. Jacob's wife insisted that Jacob deceive his blind father. She insisted that Jacob deceive her own husband. Can this bring peace? Esau's reaction to this deceit is recorded in Genesis chapter 27, verse 41. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Esau hated his brother to the point that he planned to murder Jacob. Is this peace? This is the fruit of deceit. Rebekah took Esau's threat seriously. She sent Jacob away so that she would not lose her husband and son on the same day. In Genesis chapter 29, Jacob traveled to live with his uncle Laban, the brother of his mother Rebekah. Jacob fell in love with Rachel, Laban's daughter, and made an agreement with Laban to work for seven years as a dowry in exchange for the bride. Much to Jacob's shock and dismay, Jacob discovered, all too late, that Laban had switched the bride at the last moment. Jacob unwittingly married Rachel's sister, Leah. Laban had deceived Jacob. Jacob had deceived his father, Isaac. Now Jacob's father-in-law deceived Jacob. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, contains one of the most fundamental principles of life. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. When we plant tomatoes, we expect tomatoes, not watermelons. When we plant cucumbers, we expect cucumbers, not grapes. When we plant peace, we should expect peace. When we plant the seeds, we must expect to harvest not peace, not harmony, but deceit and contention. Rebecca convinced Jacob to deceive his own father. Jacob had a harvest. Laban, Rebekah's brother, deceived Jacob. He planted deceit. He harvested deceit. How tragic that family continued with practicing deceit. But it didn't end there. Laban's daughter saw the actions of their father, and they were involved in the actions. They were involved in the switching of the brides. But it seems like they didn't learn the lessons. They also would have to face a harvest. In Genesis chapter 30, Laban and Jacob made another agreement. This time, the agreement involved which sheep Jacob would receive in payment for his work as a shepherd. The wording is somewhat difficult to follow, but it appears that Jacob offered to work in exchange for the unusual colored sheep and goats, implying that Jacob's wage would be minimal. Jacob concluded his offer in Genesis chapter 30, verse 33, with the following. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come, when it shall come for my hire before thy face. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, 
that shall be counted stolen with me. Considered it stolen? Counted it stolen? Is that how you and your father-in-law treat each other? Is this a relationship you have? Instead of thinking a sheep wandered off or there was a mistake, considered it stolen? Jacob and Laban agreed to the contract. On the same day, Laban removed all the unusual colored sheep and goats from the flock to prevent them from breeding with the rest of the flock. Already, Jacob would only receive the unusual colored animals, which are, which are not common. But Laban took an extra step to reduce the chance of additional births of the unusual colored sheep. He took an extra step to reduce it even more. Laban cheated Jacob again. How did Jacob respond? He brought a plant near the sheep that apparently caused the sheep to produce unusual colored offspring. What was the result of Jacob's actions? Genesis chapter 40, verses 41 through 43 read, And it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. When the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly, and had much cattle, and maid servants, and men servants, and camels and donkeys. Is this honesty? Is this integrity? Jacob's sons became upset as they saw their as they saw their inheritance dwindle. Jacob discussed the situation with his wives. Genesis chapter thirty one, verses fourteen through sixteen, tell us. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him as strangers? For he sold us, and hath quite devoured also our money. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is yours, and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. Rachel and Leah felt like strangers in their father's house. They were affected by the lack of integrity as well. It was not simply one person who was affected by the lack of honesty and integrity. Jacob took all his family and ran away without even saying goodbye. Is this dishonesty? Is this action going to bring blessings? It's not just disharmony between Jacob and Laban, but there's disharmony between Jacob and his own daughters. Three days later, Laban found out that his son-in-law and all his family were gone. Laban chased after them, and he found Jacob. Genesis chapter 31, verses 26 through 29 records, And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me and carried away my daughters as captives taken with a sword? Why didst thou flee away secretly and steal away from me? And didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs, with tabret and with a harp? And hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters. But thou hast done foolishly in so doing. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Laban was enraged. He said that he had the power to hurt Jacob. What kind of relationship is this that a man would threaten to hurt his father? And son, uh, the, uh, a man would threaten to hurt his son-in-law. What, what is this family dynamic that's going on here? And what's the relationship between Laban and his daughters? Rachel stole her father's idol. Laban should not have had an idol, but does that justify 
Rachel stealing it? When Laban confronted Jacob about the stolen idol, Jacob replied in verse 32, With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Before our brethren discern thou what is it thine with me, and take it to thee. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. Remember what Jacob said about the sheep? If you find one wrong sheep, consider it stolen. Here, Jacob says, if you find the idol, kill whoever has it. These family dynamics are very scary. This is dysfunctional. This is dangerous because of deceit and dishonesty. Laban searched from tent to tent, but he did not find the stolen idol, which Rachel had hidden. The fact that he searched the tents of his daughters displayed his lack of trust in his own family. The oldest of Jacob's children, Reuben, was about 13 years old at this point in the story. Did Reuben and his brothers know anything about the idol? Even if they didn't, did they understand their grandfather's rage against their father? Did they feel fear because of all the tents being searched by their grandfather? Why did all this happen? Again, the root cause was strained family relationships, lack of honesty, lack of trust, lack of integrity. These young boys continued to live in a home divided by disharmony. Just as Esau hated Jacob, these brothers hated their brother Joseph, who was the favorite son of their father Jacob. Just as Jacob had deceived his elderly father, these brothers would deceive their father about the fate of Joseph. Just as these brothers stood by watching as Laban searched through the tents for the missing idol, for the stolen idol, these brothers would stand again, accused of stealing a goblet from the Egyptian governor. They would stand by as someone searched through all their bags of grain. And what did the brothers say when they were accused of stealing the goblet? Genesis 44 Verse 9 reads, With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondsmen. Where did they learn to blurt out such harsh and merciless judgments without a moment's thought? All of these episodes were the result of deceit in a family, what some might call generational sins or generational deceit. Some simply attribute the similar events to the old adage that history repeats itself. Some point out that similar events must repeat because there's only a few different plots in any conflict, and that's why it's so easy to predict what will happen in certain movies or TV shows. While there is some truth to those points, it does not address the fact that we often choose to put ourselves in certain situations. We are knowingly or unknowingly choosing our script for our life, and we choose the consequences. Was Jacob destined by God to be the recipient of the promises and the blessings? Yes. But that does not justify achieving those promises and blessings by any and all means. Shouldn't Jacob's actions disqualify him from receiving the promises and blessings? No. Consider this explanation in Romans chapter 9, verses 10 through 13. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Jacob was chosen not because of his works, 
but because of God's grace. Before Jacob was born, before Jacob had deceived anyone, God, who knew what Jacob would later do, chose Jacob. However, the way Jacob led his life to achieve those goals caused great strife and heartache. Every man and woman of faith needs to examine their words and their actions and their lives. We need to strive for integrity and honesty, not just for our own sake, not just for the sake of those with whom we interact, not just for the sake of our children and our spouse, but also for future generations. In this podcast today, we emphasize Jacob's failures. In upcoming podcasts, we're going to address his triumphs. Thank <laughs> you.